responsibility, pride, self-determination. Gaila Kessler, Chechehathech. This is Gaisehathot, the Comox Treaty Podcast. My name is Charlene Everson, and I'm a counselor for Comox First Nation. You are listening to podcast four of our series. This podcast is part one of two episodes that focus on the enrollment and eligibility process. There are two ways that Comox people can assume control of its membership. The first is developing our own membership rules following the process set out in Section 10 of the Indian Act. The second option is by way of negotiating a broader set of self-government legislation, such as through the treaty process that Comox is currently engaged in. In this episode, we are discussing enrollment and eligibility through treaty negotiations. This episode features Coral McKay, Enrollment and Eligibility Project Manager, Nicole Rempel, Elected Chief Counselor, and Emily Lehu, Comox First Nation member. First, Nicole Rempel and Coral McKay discussed eligibility under the current Indian Act legislation. I'm Hagnes Nicole Rempel, Elected Chief Counselor for Comox First Nation. I'm joined by Coral McKay, daughter of Cindy Hardy, and a Comox member. Coral is the Eligibility and Enrollment Project Manager for the Treaty Team. Coral, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Nikki. Coral, can you tell us what membership looks like under the Indian Act? Currently, membership is based on the degrees of descent from ancestors who were registered or entitled to be registered under the Indian Act. So in other words, we have absolutely no control over that determination by ISC. And the Indian Act has historically and contemporarily set legal limitations on the definition of who qualifies to be a Comox person. And obviously this is problematic for many reasons. One of the main reasons being that as Comox people, we have always known who our members are. Some of our members have even lost their status due to harmful legislation set out in the Indian Act. While Bill C-31 reinstated status for many of those who had it taken away, we still have members still fighting for the recognition of their children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren as status Indians defined under the Indian Act. So essentially Canada dictates who our Comox people are. Yes, 100%. So basically you fill out a form, you send it into ISC. I'm assuming a room full of people or one person in Ottawa looks at that application form and then they just check whether or not you are eligible. So looking forward, what does membership look like under self-governance with a treaty? Well, this treaty would enable Comox to broaden the requirements for membership. It would also recognize members who may have been excluded under those limitations set out by the Indian Act. And I really see this as being able to ensure that our membership will continue to grow into the future and will support the longevity and health of our nation for generations to come. Well, that sounds like a much better process, in my opinion. I really believe in determining our own membership and our own people and having that control and power back with that authority. Thank you so much for joining us, Coral. And uh, thank you for sharing your knowledge on treaty membership and Indian Act membership. Thank you, Nikki. That was Coral McKay, Enrollment and Eligibility Project Manager for the Comox Treaty Team, in conversation with Nicole Rempel, Elected Chief Counselor for Comox First Nation. You are listening to Gay Sayathot, the Comox Treaty Podcast. Up next, 
Nicole Rempel discusses the significance of membership with Emily LaHue, Comox member and student at the University of Victoria. Jesuit. This is Nicole Rempel, elected Chief Counselor for Comox First Nation, and I'm here with Emily LaHue, who is a member of the Comox First Nation. Yeah, hi. I am from the Splatchine Band, also known as Enderby on Sequetmec Territory. Currently, I am in Victoria. I'm working on my Indigenous Studies major and Education minor at the University of Victoria. I come from the Mitchell family on my mother's side, and I am a LaHue on my father's side. And with that side, we are also French and Ukrainian heritage. A little bit of brief history. My mother was part of the 60 Scoop. She was adopted when she was born. And because of this, I've never really stepped foot on the territory. And I've been disconnected from the culture and community. I am considered a status Indian from the Indian Act. And because of this, I feel disconnected to who I am as a Comox person. Throughout high school and my studies at UVic, I've been adding more puzzle pieces to this journey and reconnecting back to the community, and I am so honored to be on this podcast with you guys. Thank you. Well, I'm honored to meet you, Emily. I guess we're cousins, which is pretty <laughs> cool. It's it's always great to meet uh, new Comox members. The first question I have for you is, how has membership under the Indian Act affected you as a Comox person? So I label myself as an outsider because I was raised in a settler household and I didn't realize until my late high school years that I was Comox. I've known my whole life that I was native, but I didn't really know specifically where. So status is the only identifier for me of my indigenous ancestry. And status is also very generalized and restricted too. So it doesn't really have specifics on identity. The healthcare provided is a little bit iffy and restricted and it only grants services and excludes definitions of what being comas actually means. Status is only about blood quantum and it's an issue for mixed indigenous people like me because there's public expectations for people like me because I don't uh, appear indigenous so people kind of get away with saying like you know small racial remarks around me and they don't really realize so that's just kind of a downside of being mixed, but I'm so proud of it. And I also do acknowledge that I do have this privilege of white passing, and I am very honored with that as well. The Indian Act itself takes away some of the self-governing rights. I think it's so very important for us as Indigenous people to keep that and uphold it for the new generations coming, like, you know, the seven generation Mm-hmm. theory. The Indian Act also takes away Indigenous identity while divorcees or widows of Indigenous partners still have their status even though they don't have any Indigenous ancestry except by marriage. So you have these people having status and then you have Indigenous people who actually don't know who they are, where they come from, and don't have status. So they feel even more lost while these settler women or men have these benefits. Yeah, absolutely. The Indian Act has impacted First Nations across Canada in so many harmful ways. How do you feel about the opportunity for Comox to determine our own membership under a treaty? Having the treaty and having this official membership will create this sense of validation of being Comox. I feel so proud, even just to know that I am Comox and having this opportunity 
to speak on this podcast and to be part of this treaty negotiation and all of it. It's such an honor to be able to continue my journey and connecting back to the people, the community, and the culture. I can't even express how much it means to me. Like It's so special and I actually get a chance to to meet the part of me that I never really knew about and I already see a bunch of connections back to like the culture and the ancestry and I'm so excited for this. It feels like I'm going back to my home even though I'm not physically on the territory so having this treaty just it means the world to me. The treaty gives back accountability for our own culture and community which I think is such an important and vital aspect for us because we have our own voices as people and I think as a collective, if we use the voices in many diverse perspectives regarding our own community, I think it's a great way to to govern ourselves as Comox people. I think it's an amazing time as well for Comox people to be reconnecting or, or being welcomed into the Comox community because we're going through a transition ourselves with being more inclusive of all of our cultures because we are traditionally Coast Salish and Pentlatch peoples Uh, and so embracing all of that and embracing our membership and defining who we are is it's it's a really exciting time for Comox people. Emily as we all know the Indian Act has been a very restrictive piece of legislation that has defined who Indigenous people are by some people at their desks in Ottawa and you know it's up to them on who Comox people are so through the treaty process, how will the enrollment and eligibility support Comox membership into the future? Not only will we'll be able to keep our status cards, but it'll also provide additional benefits like health care, other like mental health support, community support. With this treaty, we'll collectively have all the same benefits. So instead of living on reserve and having all of the benefits and then some other members living off reserve will all have the same equity and the same rights as indigenous people it's all going to be equal and i think that's such a great idea like for me being an outsider i only rely on the tax deductions i get from status card and knowing that we have these additional benefits just make it a whole lot easier for us to believe in ourselves and know more about who we are. I don't really know exactly who I am as a Comox person, so having this treaty and all of these benefits create this better validity for me. And it's it's such an, an honor that we, we get to have this treaty, hopefully soon. <laughs> I think we'll have to have you up for uh, a land tour and an introduction to family prior to that. I think, too, the enrollment and eligibility supports Comox membership into the future because it allows us to determine who our own membership is and to ensure that we as Comox people are here for generations, whereas the Indian Act's purpose was to eradicate us in the next hundred years or so. And so by establishing our own set of rules on who our Comox people are, we're ensuring that we're here for generations to come. Emily, it's been really wonderful to meet you today and to have this conversation around treaty and membership and to hear the effects of how the current Indian Act status system has affected you growing up and your sense of identity. And it allows for myself in this leadership role that I'm in, as well as our council and and our community as a whole, it allows us to 
explore ways and how we can reach out as well and welcome members who don't feel that connection and who just haven't had that opportunity because of the Indian Act system. So really thank you for your time today and for your input and your insight into how this membership is going to be. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to even be on this podcast and providing like my outsider insight. I think this is such a great way to see different perspectives of people and being part of this just means so much and it's such an honor really to even meet you as well as my cousin and chief <laughs> just connecting back to family and the culture is just amazing and I'm so proud of being Comox and I look forward to actually finally meet the rest of the family up on the territory too yeah you have been listening to the Comox Treaty Podcast Thank you for taking the time to learn more about the Comox Treaty. Our next episode on enrollment and eligibility will be released soon. We hope you will join us then. Gaelic Hesla, emote.